We want to welcome you home. I always like saying that. Welcome home to Voice of Praise. I don't want to welcome you to church. I want to welcome you home. This morning, we're going into a, 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 some scripture that we found in uh, Mark chapter 6. And in Mark chapter 6, uh, I'm out of water, Sarah. Did you bring me one by any chance? Mark chapter 6, she's just like, she's just my Vanna White. She, she takes care of me. Mark chapter 6. Uh, I want to read there some verses of scripture off the tail end of what we, uh, we think of one of the greater miracle happenings of the, the Bible. Um, Jesus had just, uh, got through feeding the multitude, uh, multitude of people off of the lunch of a little boy, just a few fishes and loaves. We find that, uh, that there that Jesus not only fed, but he had the opportunity to minister to the multitude. Uh, we don't know exactly how many was there, but, but, but it was quite a large crowd there. Uh, yeah, over 5,000, uh, men plus their women and children. So sometimes we call it the feeding of 5,000, but that's a very, very, uh, underestimate of what was there. It could have been easily the upwards of 15,000 or 20,000 people, maybe more than that. It's a miraculous thing. We like, we like to think about that. But then we, as we go to verse 45 of chapter 6, we find that as soon as Jesus broke up the eating meeting, you know, the way to a person's heart is oftentimes through their stomach, okay? Jesus broke up the eating meeting. They had dismissed. You find that the Bible says immediately Jesus made. Uh, and when I, when I read this in the New International Wording, I, I, I really thought about it. It says Jesus made. Jesus made his disciples get in the boat. He made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him into Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. Hmm. Makes me feel better about staying around and locking up every Sunday. You know, after everybody leaves, Sarah and I still here locking up on Sundays and Wednesday nights. Yeah, no. He dismissed the crowd, but he sends, he made his disciples get in the boat and he sets them out across the lake, across the sea. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Now, in life group this morning, I, I wanted—I was going to say something about it, but I didn't. Alicia does this every Sunday. She comes up with stuff that gets into my message. Now, I'm just kidding about it. It's all—it's all good and it's all well. But Jesus went up to the mountainside to pray. He went up to a place of solitude. He went up to a quiet place to pray. That's what we were talking about in our life group this morning was finding a quiet time with God. He goes up to this mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake. And he was alone on land. Now let me put you in perspective of the time of day, or time of night that it was. It it was It is somewhere between the hours of 3 a.m., and 6 a.m. Now, when you stand and you look across the lake, 
you can stand and you can see it's a long ways, but you know, sometimes we think about this being so huge, but you can actually see across it. It is a long ways and it's very small on the, you can't see people or anything necessarily on the other side with the bare eye, but, but, but it's, it is within eyesight. Later that night, it's nighttime and the boat was in the middle of the lake and Jesus was alone on the land. In verse 48, he saw the disciples straining at the oars. He saw them straining at the oars because the wind was against them. I want to preach to you this morning uh, for the next few minutes that with the thought in mind that Jesus never loses sight. Jesus never loses sight. Uh, many times you and I capture or we develop an erroneous perception of what it's like to follow Jesus. I've done that. I still do it. We have an erroneous perception of what it's like to follow Jesus. Sometimes we are fooled by our own thinking and sometimes we're fooled by, by erroneous teaching into believing that Traveling with Jesus is just all smooth sailing. Or it's just a walk in the park. Everything is not always going to go right when you're following Jesus. I want you to know that. Everything's not going to always, at least seemingly, go right when you're following Jesus. Sometimes things... To the contrary, just seem to go all wrong. And then we wonder where Jesus is at. We begin to think about, he's let me down. Jesus has just called me out here. Hey, you know, he's called me out here to let me die. That's what the Israelites thought. Read about them. Go back. This brought, at least we had something to eat while we were slaves in Egypt working over those flesh pots. At least we had something to eat. You brought us out here in the middle of the desert, Moses, to, to let us die. Yeah. Now, I know I'm the only one in the room that ever has those, those children of Israel thoughts like that. None of you all have ever had them, but... You know, we, but I can admit that I, I do have them. There, there's, there's three very significant events that take place in this whole account. Has, has the all-knowing and all-seeing God, He had to know that His disciples were going to be rowing against stiff winds before He ever put them in the boat. He knew that. Listen. I heard, you know, a number of years ago, there used to be a group of pastors out of our conference that would, would gather together. I was not one of them, but, but it was some of the old heads, as we used to call them. Some of the old heads would gather together. Now I am an old head, I guess. But they used to gather together and they used to go on this retreat together, just pastors, don't even take their wives with them. And they would go and most of them would develop their their sermon plan for the entire year. Some of them did anyway, like Dr. Connor. 
And then, but you had those spiritual people that says, bless God, I don't know. How can you plan on what to preach six months from now? And who you know is even going to be there? Well, it's not about you knowing, you understand? And, and I used to be one of those people that said, bless God, you know, Jesus, he'll give it to you when you need it. You know, you don't have to, you know. but listen, if, if, if you and I don't think God knows what's going to happen six months from now, we really don't know who God is. If we don't think God knows what's going to happen a year from now or two years from now, then we really don't know what God is. Just remember this. Nothing ever takes God by surprise. Whatever's happening in my life, whatever goes on in your life, whatever is occurring, has occurred or will occur, it never takes Him by surprise. Okay? God's not surprised at anything because of his sovereignty. And uh, since uh, we've got to into the, the first of the year here, I've thought so much about the sovereignty of God. And and, and nothing but he takes him out. He knew before he put these guys in this boat what's going to happen. He knew that strong winds would come across that lake and make a challenge for them. But there's three significant things that happen. And those three significant things are what I want to share with you this morning. There's three things in this, and I'm going to walk you through these. I'm going to preach you through these this morning. Is number one, the disciples followed the direction of the master. They did what the master told them to do. The second thing that we're going to look at is Jesus went aside to pray. And the third thing is that he never lost sight of his servants. That's three important things that occurred here. And, and we're going to go, I wanted to bring that to you in just a little bit more detail this morning. The first thing I want us to look at is Jesus directs. Jesus directs. Jesus guides. Years ago, I played music with a bluegrass gospel band, and and we did a song uh, for many, many years, that song, and it was called, He's My God. When I'm troubled and so in strife, Jesus is with me, He's my God. He, he, he is my director. A director is is the the person, if you would, that that gives instruction and 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 points people in the way to go. When I read First Samuel chapter five, uh, excuse me, chapter twenty five and verse twenty two, I find that Samuel gives this instruction: Does the Lord delight in the burnt offerings and sacrificing as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of the rams. You want to know how to please God? If you want to learn how to please God, here's the way you learn how to please God. Follow the direction that He gives you. Amen? Follow the direction that He gives you. Here's your book of directives. My book of directives. And anything the Holy Spirit gives us in directives is going to coincide or it's going to go, uh, line up with what the Word of God says. More, more than, than, than offerings and more than anything else that we can give to God, He desires us to walk in obedience. That's exactly what happened on this day. They've just got, you know, they can say, oh man, listen, 
I know Jesus is wanting us to head on out, but listen, let's help pick up the fragments. Let's help pick up the extra fishes and loaves. Jesus don't need to be here doing this. We can dismiss the people. They could have come up with all kinds of excuses, even good, wholesome, spiritual excuses like Jesus needs our help. But no, they did what God had told them to do. Jesus said to them, you need to get in the boat And you need to head out in front of me and make your way to the other side. You see, operating in obedience can be a pretty weighty task sometimes. Walking in obedience can be heavy at times. Walking in obedience may not be convenient all the time. Walking in obedience may not even make sense. All of the time. But yet God is calling us to walk in obedience. And here we see that illustration. Obedience is an indication of right relationship with God. I want you to think about that. Obedience is an indication of right relationship with God. In John chapter 14, Jesus made a direct correlation. When you study the scripture, Jesus makes a direct correlation between love and fulfilling his commandments. Because he said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Therefore, we can determine that there is a direct correlation, Is there is a connection in walking in obedience and our relationship with God. Because if we are in right relationship with Him, our desire will be to please Him. So, submission paves the way for God's purpose to be manifest in our lives. Now, we're 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 a Pentecostal church, okay? And and the probably the most famous Pentecostal prayer request over the years, you know, uh you know back when we used to do those popcorn prayer requests and and and, and all and most of the time any good Pentecostal if they didn't have any else to thing else, anybody else, anything else to pray for, their prayer request would be something like, Brother, just pray, pray that I can get closer to the Lord. That's our famous prayer request. Just, Brother, just pray that I get more Jesus. And I need more in 2024, Lord. That's our, that's our prayer request. Listen, you want more of Jesus? I want more of Jesus. The way we want to, if we want to inquire more of Jesus is just begin to walk in obedience to His Word, to follow His commandments, to give ourselves unto His presence, and then we will find ourselves inhabiting His presence. But listen, obedience is not always an easy task. It's not always easy to take on obedience because obedience is not always convenient. Obedience is not always easy. Obedience sometimes doesn't make sense. Because we know that scripture, the Lord's ways are much higher than our ways. And we, but we want to figure God out. We want to know what's going on, don't we? 
I, 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 I just love, sometimes I run into my, 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 my late wife's mother. She was one of them. She, she, she had, well, I, I'm not sure what gifts she had, but she, she was just one of those people. She said, I want to know what's going on. You know, she's going to walk down the road. You know, somebody just got shot or something like that. She's going to go down. She said, I want to know what's going on. And sometimes we want to want to know what's going on in everything that God is leading us into. But let me tell you, sometimes it's not for us to know. Sometimes we've just got to trust the Lord and walk in faith and go into everything that He has put before us and just do it in obedience and let Him take care of everything else. So, the disciples followed the direction of their master. In other words, they walked in obedience. They got in the boat. They left Jesus to do all the work. But then, secondly, Jesus went on the mountainside to pray. We talked about prayer in life group this morning. We pray on Wednesday nights. For those of you that's never come on Wednesday night, I invite you to come. We pray for, for that, that first 30 minutes. We take some prayer requests and we spend time praying up until seven o'clock. Then we, then we, then we do a, uh, typically do a song of worship and go into the word. I invite you to come be a part of it. I listen to you. I, I believe this with all my heart. I love each and every one of y'all. I think every, every single one of y'all are very valuable. I think all of you all, we have a great amount of talent in many, many, uh, aspects in this church, but you you want to know what's making a difference in Voice of Praise Worship Center? It's what happens when people are on their knees. Not all of it's not concerted to, to Wednesday night prayer, but I certainly think Wednesday night prayer has made a difference in Voice of Praise Worship Center. I think the prayer that we used to do on Monday nights has made a difference. Listen, praying is very important. Praying is so important that Jesus prayed. Wow. Jesus prayed. Throughout the New Testament, we read of Jesus praying both publicly and privately. Uh, Jesus, it depends on whose accounts you read. Some people uh, uh, cite it as six, others cite it as nine different accounts where Jesus, it's noted that he went apart into a private place to pray. But Jesus prayed both publicly and privately. He prayed for prayers for personal needs as well as as well as kingdom needs when you read his prayers. But there is no imagining, if you would, in our ability, there is no imagination, there is no imagining the frequency of the prayers that Jesus prayed and the depth of his prayers. And somebody said, well, sure, I believe that because he's Jesus. But understand this, we don't, don't, let's not forget, Christmas was just a few weeks ago. Some of y'all haven't even paid off the credit card bill yet. So don't forget just yet, it was just Christmas. And Jesus was just as much man as he was God. So, so there, there was a fleshly element of Jesus that he, prayer probably wasn't always convenient for Jesus. But yet he prayed. Prayer might have not been the easiest thing in the world for Jesus, yet yet he prayed. Six occurrences, and I'll cite it as six that Jesus went apart to pray. He 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 went apart to pray before choosing his twelve disciples. He went 
he 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 prayed just before Peter re- received his uh, the revelation of who he was when he was Simon and he said you are the Christ. Jesus had prayed just prior to that. Immediately before preceding the transfiguration, if you study scripture, you'll find Jesus went apart to pray. You'll find fourthly before the Lord's prayer as we call it was given, Jesus had went aside to pray. You find Jesus went aside to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane just before he was apprehended to be crucified. And now you find that Jesus goes apart to pray before he sends these disciples across the lake. Now maybe maybe my imagination's a little wild. Maybe 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 this is too far fetched. I don't know if it is. Just take it for what it is. But I, but I thought about the, the 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 metaphor that actually Jesus is painting here because he's putting his disciples in a boat. He's sending them across a deep lake that's known for many storms in the middle of darkness, and he didn't even go with them. But he goes apart on the mountainside to pray. You realize we're on the sea of life. The sea of life is is often dark. The sea of life is often often deep. And Jesus, we can say, well, he didn't even get in the boat with us. He ascended back to the right hand of the Father. But you know, as he ascended back to the right hand of the Father, you know what the Bible tells me? That he is seated at the right hand of the Father, not just because he has a chair there with his name on it or something like that, but he is seated at the right hand of the Father for there he makes intercession for you and for me. Let me tell you something. Jesus is praying for you. Jesus is praying for me. Jesus is praying for all those that will walk in obedience, get in the boat and follow him. Gee, listen to this. There is intercession happening from heaven. Jesus is praying for us. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8 verse 34, he said, Christ Jesus who died more than that who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. The Hebrew writer wrote in Hebrews 7 and 25, therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Listen, if you think nobody else loves you, you think nobody else cares about what's going on in your life, you think you you don't believe that anybody else has been praying for you, let me tell you this. You can read the Word of God and you can find there that Jesus is constantly interceding for every single one of us. He is constantly praying for us. We are never alone. We're not left without prayer. We're not left without hope. Even when our boat is in the middle of the sea, in the darkness of night and it doesn't appear like Jesus is with us and we're rowing against the storm with all we got. Listen, never fear because Jesus is on the mountainside praying for you and for me. Then lastly, Jesus sees. And this is the one I just put a lot of emphasis on that one, but this is this is the part I really want to emphasize. There's been many people throughout 
time and we see that many recorded in scripture and you may even know some people, maybe even you are one of those people. Many people have tried to escape the sight of God. They've tried to escape. They don't want Jesus to see you. You don't want Jesus to see you. Adam and Eve tried to escape God's sight. They went and hid themselves in the garden. They covered up with leaves. Jonah, Jonah, he goes in the opposite direction. He, he could, he, he thinks God's not going to find him, but God knew where he was at all the time. We think about David, David, David attempted to cover up his wrongdoings and all that he had done and, but God knew where David was at. Ananias and Sapphira, they, they lied about their doings. They tried to cover up. They, 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 they didn't think God saw what they had done and the treasure that they had, the property they had sold. But God sees, God sees and God knows. And, and we can think about that in the negative, in a negative connotation, if you would, but I want us to think about it in the positive today. Because yes, God reminds me of the story. Reminds me of the story of the, the uh, pet store that was broken into. A pet store was broken into and the, the, the guy was in the still of the night, breaks in the pet store. He's dressed in a little black get up, you know, so nobody can see him and, and nothing but his eyes showing and he's walking through the pet store and, and, and trying to make his way to the register to rob. And there's an old parrot there in the store. And y'all remember the bird show we had a few weeks? Some of those birds can talk. And as that robber made his way through the store, that parrot said, Jesus is watching you. Old robber's going, shh, shh. The parrot just kept on. Jesus is watching you. Would you shut up, you stupid bird? Oh, Jesus is watching you. And about that time from out of the shadows comes a Doberman pitcher. And the bird says, sick him, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is watching you. And sometimes we scare our kids to death, tell them that stuff. You better not do that. Jesus is watching you. But I want to talk about it on the other hand. Jesus sees because he's God. Job chapter 28. I, I had I had dozens of these I could share, but I, I narrowed it down to just a handful here. Job chapter 28 and verse 24. It, it's, Job says, for he views the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heaven. That 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 means, that means God's. His, his vision, his scope, his scope, his ability to see goes far beyond anything we can imagine. It goes all the way to the ends of the earth. And he sees everything in the heavens, under the heavens. Job also said in, in uh, later on in chapter 34, he says, his eyes are on the ways of mortals. He sees their every steps. You can't take a step without Jesus seeing it. I can't take a step without Jesus seeing it. In Second Chronicles, Second uh, Chronicles chapter sixteen and verse nineteen, it says, "For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. He's watching out over you, and He sees everything that's going on in your life, in my life, for our benefit." 
And then Matthew chapter 6, verse 8, Jesus said, Your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. That's, that's how much He knows about us, okay? That's how much God knows about us. He sees us. He's watching out of us. His watchful eye is always upon us. Let me tell you, let me put this in perspective with to you this 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 morning. I said this afternoon. This morning. Let me put this in perspective to you. Jesus saw the wind rocking that boat before the wind ever blew. He saw it before it ever happened. He said, how could he do it if it never happened? Because he's God. Because he sees all, he knows all, he's infinite in his being. There is, there is not a tomorrow for God because he is a now God. Tomorrow's only occur for us. Yesterday's only occur for us. God is a to now God. He, he's a right now God. He saw the winds before they ever swept across that lake. Jesus knew just how hard those boys would have to row that boat. He knew how many blisters they would get on their hands. He knew which ones would be whining about it. He knew everything there was to know about this rowing expedition. Before they ever got in the boat that he told them to get into. So you and I sometimes, we, we act like, well, God, God does, He don't know what I'm going through. That's a crazy statement. I'm sorry. That is, that, let me, can I say the big S word? That is a stupid statement. He knows everything that we go through before we ever get there. He sees it. He realizes it. He knows it. But here's an important thought. Jesus never lost sight of his disciples in the boat. He knew the wind was coming. He knew the rowing would be hard. He knew there would be blisters on their hands. He knew there, no doubt, there would be some whiners in the boat and crying and sniffling over how hard it was to row. He knew there would be somebody saying, oh, we're going to die, we're going to die. He knew all of that. But Jesus never lost sight of what was happening on that lake. He never loses sight of what's happening in your life. And he never loses sight of what's happening in my life. I want you to remember that. He never loses sight of any of those things. He never loses sight of us. So Jesus directs our steps. At least he would like to. He lets us make that decision. But he desires to direct our steps. Jesus intercedes. He's praying for us. And he never loses sight of us. But there's more. What was that guy's name? Harvey? Paul Harvey? Paul Harvey? Is that the guy's name? And he'd say... But there's more to the story. There's more to the story. Because when the time is right, I don't know when 
when he decided, I think it was all, he, it was already defined in his, in his being and who he is. Jesus knew what was going to happen. He knew the storm was going to come. He knew the rowing was going to be hard. He's already went to the mountainside to pray for him. He's watching out over him. He sees it all happen. But I don't know when. I don't know how. I don't know what moment. I don't know what, what, what the deciding factor is. I don't know. I have no absolutely idea. And you have a preacher that tells you that they don't know nothing. You've heard, you've seen a miracle happen already, but I don't know nothing. I don't know nothing. I don't know what, I don't know when, what, why, or any of that. I just know Jesus had told them to do something. They obeyed. Jesus had went to the mountainside. He had prayed, and Jesus never lost sight of them in the middle of the night, out in the middle of that sea, and that, and it wasn't a huge boat, mind you. But he never lost sight of them. But somewhere in between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., in all of his infinite wisdom, in all of his infinite knowledge, in all of his infinite insight, Jesus decided, well, it's time. So he just walks down through the sand, steps out on the water, and he takes him a walk. If you read this account, I urge you to, if you read the rest of this account, Jesus, man, he's done throw on the blinker. He's in the hammer lane. He's passing the boat. Read it. He's passing the boat by. It's like, well, my gracious sakes alive. You mean he's, you know, when we sing that song, you used to sing that old song in the church, do not pass me by, Savior. Jesus is passing them by. And all of a sudden, somebody goes, oh, it's a ghost. It's a ghost. I'm stirred. And Jesus says, all right. And he comes over. He says, some of y'all scoot over. I got to get in. And he sits down right in the middle of the boat with them. And the storm steals. We know that story. We've heard it preached and Taught it in Sunday school and kids church for, for the last who knows how many years. We know all about that part of the story. But listen to, to me. Everything else brought us to that point. They walked in obedience. Jesus went aside to pray. Jesus is praying for you. He's praying for me. And he never loses sight of his servant. I want you to, I, this is the, what I want to emphasize this morning. As much as anything, probably more than anything, it doesn't mean it's of greater importance. I just believe it needs to be emphasized this morning. Jesus never loses sight. He never loses sight of you. He never loses sight of you. I want you to bow your heads with me just a moment. Lord, as we come to you today, I am so thankful that you pray for me, Lord. I'm so thankful that when I don't know what to pray for, the Holy Spirit prays and makes intercession for me. Lord, I am so thankful, Lord, to know that you are continually interceding just for me. Lord, I'm so thankful that, Lord, that you never lose sight. No matter how hard the rowing gets, no matter how dark the night is, no matter how strong the waves are or the winds against me, 
Lord, no matter how far from that shore I get, I never get out of your sight. You see me. You know me. Right where I'm at. And I thank you for that, Lord. And Lord, I'm, I appreciate every time that you come walking on the water to get in the boat with me. When my faith has failed me and I've grown weak, you go to the extra measure to abide in my presence. Lord, I thank you for that. And Lord, this morning has, has, I've shared the word that, that I, I'm confident that you gave me in this hour. Lord, I just want you to encourage the hearts and lives of people that are in this room. People may be watching live this morning. I want you to encourage people that you have never lost sight of them. You know where they're at. You know the situation they're in. They are not forgotten about. And you're praying for them. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to ask you a question. First, the most important need that could be known in this room today or even at home, wherever you may be watching, is do you need to be saved? Do you need to give your heart and your life to Jesus? If you're in this room and you've never been saved or maybe you've drifted far away from the Lord and you see the need of coming back home this morning without any embarrassment, would you slip up your hand and say, pray for me, Pastor? Anybody in this room, real quick. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody? Any other any other needs? With heads continue to be bowed and your eyes closed, please, I want to ask you one more question. If you're in this room and you felt you feel like you have these feelings, you have you've had these feelings, you've been wrestling with them, that You're all alone. Maybe you even feel like God has lost sight of where you're at and who you are. If that's you, if that discouragement has overwhelmed you, doesn't mean you're a bad person, okay? But if that's you, I I, I just feel like nobody, not even God sees, not even God cares. If that's you in this room this morning, I just want you to slip up your hand right now. Thank you. Is there any others? Thank you. Is there any others in the room that would slip up, would like to signify that you have that need in your life? With uh, the hands that have went, in up, went up in this room this morning, this is what I want to ask you to do. I want us to come down around this altar area. The Bible instructs us to pray for one another. And I want us to, I want us to pray for one another. I just want us to stand here in a line across the front. But I want us to come down and I want us to pray for one another and encourage one another and bless one another in the name of the Lord. Today, I want you to know you're not alone. I want you to know nobody, you're not going unnoticed. Jesus sees everything that's going on in your life and he's praying for you and we're going to pray for you as well. So whether you raised your hand or you didn't raise your hand, I want everybody that can and will, I want us to assemble for a few moments of prayer this morning. Can you make your way down here? Can you join me? And we're just going to pray 
And we're just going to believe that God is just going to do something remarkable in some lives this morning.